Two Geeks, Two Beers podcast. Nerdy obsessions, drunken ramblings with Morgan Jeffrey and Tom Eames. Who's the world's greatest monster? Who's the world's mightiest creature? Who's the world's strongest superhero? Here's a hint. His skin is green and man, he's mean. Suspense, action, and excitement are you looking for? Fasten your seatbelt, true believer, because the Incredible Hulk is on his way. Hello, and welcome back to Two Geeks, Two Beers, the podcast that dared to reinvent the medium by having two white guys in their mid-30s discuss geek pop culture. It's <laughs> what helps us stand out in a crowded market. I'm Morgan Jeffrey, and joining me to get belted by gamma rays, quite literally, it's Tom Eames. Hello. Irony. So the beer uh, we're drinking, Beavertown Gamma Ray, an American pale ale, uh, because our latest episode is a look back at 1980s animated series, The Incredible Hulk. Now, listeners with long memories and too much time on their hands uh, may remember that this isn't the first time we've enjoyed a Gamma Ray <laughs> on this podcast because this is not our first Hulk-themed episode. Is this the first time we've ever, like... Nah, we, I was going to say the first time we've ever revisited a thing, but we did that at James Bond and... Obviously, and Doctor Who, and yeah. it, I, I thought you meant the beers. It's this. Nah. It's, oh, well, the beers. It's, no, I think I think it's the first time we've intentionally revisited a beer. I think we've probably done it through laziness <laughs> yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. Like that'll that'll do. We've used nah. it before, but that'll that'll do. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we previously put out a, a retrospective of the live action Hulk television series starring Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrino. Bill uh, Bixby. <laughs> David Tennant is your David David Tennant impression talking about Bill Bixby. <laughs> Bill Bill Bixby. <laughs> I when I used to when I used to watch it wasn't you know it was Bill Bixby. <laughs> so whenever I see Bill Bixby, I, I hear it in David Tennant's voice. Anyway, it's very very well, niche reference. Well, it was well, it was Bill Bixby. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but as I say, we did do a Hulk episode previously, yeah. and I did think, is it too soon to do another Hulk mm. episode? So I looked it up. Some would say yes, and well, turns out that was five fucking years ago. Five five years ago. So. Oh, yeah. So, so I think we're probably all right, you know. Yeah, I think we're, we're probably good. all right. Yeah. That was uh, episode 32 from 2017. And we're still doing so well in the podcast game, aren't we? <laughs> like, you know. more, more listeners. <laughs> more. <laughs> Incremental. Wow. <laughs> Bill, Bill Bixby. Uh, so coming up, uh, coming up, yeah. how this animated series influenced the live-action Hulk movies that followed how it established a shared universe for Marvel 26 years before the MCU, mm. and the season two and series reboot that almost happened. Nice. So, The Incredible Hulk aired for a single season of 13 episodes on NBC between September the 18th, 1982, <clears throat> and October the 8th, 1983. Uh, though it did air in the UK in 1984, I first saw this show in the 90s as part of a programming block uh, called The Marvel Action Hour. I just don't know if I've ever even knew this existed. To be yeah, honest. Saturday mornings, yeah. CBBC. Um, it aired from 1994 to 1996. When really? I, I was about eight to ten years old when it was airing, yeah. so the, the perfect age for this I kind of thing. X-Men and, and that. But, it, it, it sort of filled the, filled the gaps when, when there was no X-Men on. Batman. No Spider-Man on. Marvel Action Hour, I think it was on in like the summer or something. It, it, filled, it filled the gaps. Oh. So it was always on. In, maybe you just were like, you know, oh, X-Men's not on, Spider-Man's not on, I'm out. Nah, it was, it was, I, I was hardcore and I was like, I'm sticking around for the Marvel action hour. Um, 
So in the US, uh, where this series aired in syndication, the first half of the Marvel Action Hour was made up of an episode of an Iron Man animated series, and then the second half was an episode of Fantastic Four. Both of those series individually, I think, will be a future episode fodder. Nice. But the Marvel Action Hour underwent a notable modification when broadcast on CBBC in the UK because the BBC doesn't have adverts, um, which meant that the two shows that made up the Marvel Action Hour would only have totaled about 40 minutes. So it would have been the sort of the Marvel three quarters of an hour. <laughs> Um, still, still action, but so what did they do? Action. Put in like um, human wraparounds, like Fraggle Rock, and <laughs> no, although there is a Fraggle Rock connection. Funny enough, harkening oh. back to our, our previous episode. Okay, uh, we'll get on to that. Uh, no, so this is why episodes of the 1980s Incredible Hulk series, which had been produced you know, several years before, were added between the two new shows, Iron Man and Fantastic Four, in the UK to bring the whole bundle up to the promised length of an hour. Nice. Um, there was clearly a, a clear difference in animation quality compared to the 90s shows that bookended it because you had like a show from like the 90s yeah. and then another show from the 90s and in between the show from like 1982. Um, that is really weird. It is weird. Yeah. But it, it was sort of done out of necessity. Yeah. But despite that, Incredible Hulk, even though it was produced 14 years earlier, it did, it, it stuck with me. No recollection of this at all. It did, it did, it did happen. Banners like stuck between two walls with spikes that are gradually closing in, which makes him turn his old. How would he end up in that jam? How did that happen? It's very specific jam. <laughs> it's very specific jam. Ba, ba, banana. Great. That's all well and good, but it's not as good as uh, ain't, ain't he unglamorous. <laughs> we'll, we'll get onto it. It's, it's going to come up. It's going to come up. Uh, <laughs> So in the US, the series was part of a combined hour with season two of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And the programming block was known as The Incredible Hulk and The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> Inventive. Why were they so amazing, his friends? Because they were also superheroes. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, his yeah. mates at school or something. <laughs> it's like Spider-Man and... And, 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 and his buddies. And, and Dave and Pete. Yeah. <laughs> they are amazing guys. They're great, great guys. Yeah. They're the kind of guys you give, you give them a call. You want them around? Yeah, you, they'll always help you out. You ever in trouble? You give them a call. Dave and Pete will be there, no question. <laughs> you turn up at the pub. They've already got like the first round in. I love the idea. Dave, Dave and Pete. It's Spider Man and his amazing friends. <laughs> just, just great guys. Not in any way superheroes. They're just, just, just really great guys to be around. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like, oh, guys, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a bit for money. They're like, no, no worries. Of course you can borrow some money. Well, how much? How much do you need? Don't even, don't even expect it paid back. <laughs> <laughs> you say you like action? You say you like thrills? Well, hang in there. That sounded really threatening. Show was webbed up especially for you. That's Stan. The Amazing Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk.
back in the old uh, Spikes uh, cave again. He's back in the jam. I mean, Spider-Man and the Hulk would have been better, but, you know. Than what? Just the Amazing Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk. Amazing Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk will return after these messages. Fun little <laughs> the little picture at the end had them like lean, like lean, arms folded, leaning, like like in, a, back. like in a like rom com with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> this guy, no, this guy. <laughs> Fun fact about uh, about Spider Man and his amazing friends. Yeah, uh, he teams up with Iceman from the X Men and Firestar, who was at the time uh, an original character, oh. um, because it was originally meant to be. Spider-Man, Iceman, and the Human Torch from the Fantastic Four. Yeah. But that character was the rights were tied up elsewhere for another screen adaptation. So they, off. so they had so they just invented a new character with basically the same powers. Yeah. But it was originally basically meant to be like Spider-Man and the boys. It was like <laughs> Iceman and Human Torch, Spidey, all living together like a, in like a flat. And it was like Spider-Man and the boys, Spider-Man and his amazing boys. Um, <laughs> so the executive producers on the Incredible Hulk series were uh, David H. DePatty and Lee Gunther, who were the co-founders of Marvel Productions, the television and film studio subsidiary of the Marvel Entertainment Group. Uh, DePatty and frequent collaborator Frizz Freeling uh, were responsible for the animated opening segments for the Pink Panther feature films, uh, which led to animated shorts featuring the Pink Panther character. Uh, Marvel Productions, in fact, actually began as DFE Films, DePatty Freeling Enterprises, and was sold to Marvel in 1981. Freeling left the company to return to his former job at Warner Brothers Animation, but DePatty continued to work for the company for several years until his retirement. And Marvel Productions not only produced The Incredible Hulk, but also Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, uh, Transformers and G.I. Joe and both of their film spin-offs, Dungeons and Dragons, Muppet uh, Babies, Gem and the Holograms, Defenders of the Earth, Defenders, uh, Fraggle Rock, uh, the animated series, a little callback to the previous episode, uh, Pride of the X-Men, uh, which was that sort of failed X-Men Kitty animated Pride. pilot, yeah. Uh, Bucky O'Hare, Biker Mice oh, from Mars. It's all our, all our favourites. All our favourites. Yeah. So much Two Geeks fodder in here. Yeah. And its final production, uh, before, it, before it shut up shop, funnily enough, was again The Incredible Hulk, uh, which was a new animated series that was produced in 1996. So uh, Don Jurowicz was also a producer and voice director on the series, as well as other shows like uh, various Scooby-Doo series, The Smurfs, and uh, Robotics. Robotics. <laughs> the evil terracors. Uh, he sadly passed away just last year. Uh, Dennis Marks was a producer, story editor, and writer on the show, and was creative director of Marvel Productions at the time the show was being produced. Marks would later write for Transformers and Dungeons and Dragons and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, composer on the series was Johnny Douglas, who was an English composer, born in Hackney, uh, who recorded more than 500 tracks for Decca Records, over 80 albums for RCA Records, and he provided music for 36 films during his career, including the 1970 film The Railway Children. <laughs> Which is back now, as in Vogue. It's returned. The railway children have returned. The railway <laughs> well, children return. The, the railway child, like only Jenny Agatha's allowed back. <laughs> is a new? Is, is railway children the next generation? Yeah. That's what they've done. Railway children retaliation. <laughs> so, in addition to, uh, to to those films, um, it's kicking off the the railway children cinematic universe, the RCCU. Um, so in addition to, to films, Douglas also composed and conducted music for television series, including, again, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends and Dungeons and Dragons and The Incredible Hulk and G.I. Joe and The Transformers. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Oh. I think he, he probably wrote that. Yeah. Um, 
So prior to this series, yes, the Hulk had made his TV debut in 1966. Any excuse to remember this? As part of the Marvel Superheroes animated uh, series dear. with 39 seven-minute segment episodes. 39 seven minutes? All, all based on the early stories from The Incredible Hulk uh, and Tales to Astonish comic book series from Marvel. <sighs> Should we do it? Yeah, go on. Let's do it. Yeah. Banner. It's so bad. <laughs> and she comes in, ain't he unclamorous? So tuneless yeah, as well. Like it's yeah. not even it's like harsh to listen to. And why is he lovable? Why is he like uh, oh he's such a lovable Hulk? Hulk. <laughs> Hulk. <laughs> really bad. Um, so the, the series featured a limited animation style, um, basically comic book panels, but the characters' lips would move with, I would say, unnerving results. <laughs> That's very specific. It just isn't right, Batman. Oh, no. For you to be the only one who knows the secret of harnessing the gamma rays. So yeah, it's still it's like still images, but the lips are moving. And that's it. Also, that character Igor is meant to be Russian. He was like, "It's not right, Banner. You can't know the secret of the gamma rays." He's got this really offensive. Why is it Italian? It's this offensive Italian accent for some reason. With your fist, it's hardly scientific, Igor. Oh my god, it's worse than I thought. <laughs> it's even worse than I dreamed. Yeah. The voice, the voice actor playing Bruce Banner, he's doing his best. Listen to it. He, he's left. giving it well. When he's Rick on the... Unleashed, oh. then, good Lord, what's that? It's a teenager heading <laughs> into the test area. He's he trying. Pop the countdown. He's like, he's like, <laughs> it's got vibes though of, um, they're eating her. <laughs> and then they're going to eat me. It's got like, good Lord. Oh my God. <laughs> he's like, good Lord, what's that? A teenager. And he's on the gamma base. Oh my god! It's definitely same vibes. Ah, uh, dear. I mean, yeah, that wasn't great. So low bar, but twelve years later, <laughs> Hulk's had a hard time, hasn't he? Because he still can't get a break now. No, not really, no. F- who gets a final series? She Hulk. Like even even then, he's still not got his own series. No, no, he's never had a solo film. No. Well, not well. Wow. Not 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 properly. Not Ruffalo hasn't had yeah. a solo film. Yeah. So twelve years later. Uh, the character made his first live-action appearance in the Bill Bixby. <laughs> now, now it's ruined for me as well. Bill Bixby. Well, Bill, Bill Bixby. Bill, it's not like I'm watching Bill Bixby. Um, <laughs> in the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrino-fronted television series, which aired its original run on CBS from November 1977 till May 1982. This second Incredible Hulk animated series then launched on NBC on September oh. 1982, just four months Straight later. Away. Yeah. So the series focuses on Dr. Bruce Banner attempting to cure himself of his transformations into the Hulk and the Hulk defeating various monsters and villains while fending off the army's attempts to subdue and capture him. And compared to the live-action Hulk series, the animated show follows the Hulk comic books much more closely. For example, the Hulk's origin in the live-action series, Banner is transformed after a lab experiment gone wrong, whereas here, as in the comics, his condition is the result of being caught in the test explosion of a gamma bomb. A scenario... <laughs> a gamma bomb. A gamma, gamma bomb. A scenario which, weirdly, has never been portrayed in any of the characters' live-action appearances. Oh. Ever. So, Ang Lee's Hulk from 2003 and the flashback scenes you see in the MCU's The Incredible Hulk both skew closer to the lab experiment gone wrong scenario of the live-action TV series. There's never been, it's never been dramatized in live action. Rick Jones riding onto Gamma Base, Bruce Banner running out there to 
to save him and getting caught in this gamma explosion, which is like so, the iconic. Be far better, isn't it? And it's the, the iconic or more expensive, I guess, but like the iconic origin of the Hulk. And it's never been done in live action ever, which when you think of how many comic book adaptations there are, yeah. never been done. Bizarre. No. Bizarre. Hashtag justice for the gamma bomb. Um, so this animated series, unlike the live action show, also featured the supporting cast from the comics and the comics army base setting with Bruce being a physicist working at Gamma Base. Though to avoid censorship issues, the troops at the base were armed with futuristic sci-fi style weaponry rather than anything resembling real weapons. <laughs> While the Hulk would often be seen striking things with an open palm rather than a fist, which I believe is known as the Sean Connery approach. <laughs> So he's just slapping everyone. I'm going to slap you silly. He's just, just slapping everyone around. Oh, couldn't do that. That's silly. It's like a, like a backhander. <laughs> Again, unlike the live action show, uh, the comic and this series both featured heavy use of fantastical elements. Other monsters, supervillains, uh, aliens, robots, and all that jazz. Uh, unlike Farino's Hulk, this Hulk was capable of speech. Oh albeit limited, uh, and the series also retained from the comic book Bruce Banner as the name of the Hulk's human identity rather than David Banner as in the live-action series. Uh, that change was made in that show, according to producer Kenneth Johnson, because he disliked Marvel Comics' use of alliterative names like Bruce Banner, Peter Parker, Reed Richards. He thought it was uh, was corny, though Stan Lee and Lou Ferrino alleged that CBS executives demanded the name Bruce not be used because it was, I quote, <laughs> too gay. I remember that from last time. Too gay. Too gay. Bruce Willis, Bruce Lee... Exactly. How dare you? How dare you? Yeah. And even if he was gay, why does it matter? <laughs> why does it matter? Too gay. What a weird thing to say. NBC, it seems, had no such qualms because what a fucking stupid thing to say. Uh, uh, the character design for both Bruce Banner and the Hulk were based on the artwork of, uh, of Sal Bashima, who penciled the Incredible Hulk comic during the 1970s and 1980s. And here's a, here's a look at the Hulk in the series, Tom. Mm -hmm. and I think you have to agree that Hulk's eyeliner is on fleek. <laughs> Yeah, did that just happen during his transformation? Yeah, he just he just suddenly gets he gets like Nestor Carbonelled. Yeah, he suddenly has incredible, really good guy liner. Yeah, really good guy liner. You know I'd love to. I'd love to try a bit of guy liner. I think it would really make my eyes pop. Pop. Yeah, I think. I think you could pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I've. I. I don't think I need it because I. Yeah, you're all right actually. Really good lashes. I have yeah. to say. I've got long eyelashes, but yeah. it doesn't doesn't show them off enough. I find you need no. you need some you need some guy liner. Yeah, <laughs> you need. Like Nestor Carbonell yeah. doesn't use guy no. he, he swears. He just I just wish it was actually... a thing that's just has been the norm for like 50 odd years and just everyone did it. What's the norm, Tom? If you want to wear it, I'll start the trend. I'll bring it, I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. <laughs> Though it launched, as I said, in September 1982, a season one episode of Spider Man and His Amazing Friends, first broadcast in late 1981 did feature the Hulk in a guest appearance and is considered a backdoor pilot oh. for this Hulk series. Uh, that episode, Spidey Goes Hollywood, also <laughs> saw Spidey and his amazing friends, uh, the fellow superheroes, Firestar and Iceman, meet the Hollywood star Lance Macho. Who? <laughs> Lance Macho uh, and the actress Honey Dove. They're not real people. I don't, I don't think there's a real oh, man right. called, well, called they're real people. Lance, Lance, Ma Lance Macho. Uh, Firestar, meet uh, Lance Macho. You're far more beautiful than I expected, Firestar. Let's get to know each other very well. Very well? And Iceman, this is... Um... Honey Dove. I know. Let's take a walk, Mr. Cool, and talk about the private scenes we'll play together. Bloody hell. Just absolute filth. Yeah. Uh, like, absolute. And 
Also, I, also horny. I love, I love Lance Macho's like killer chat up line. I'm going to use that myself. Let's get to know each other very well. <laughs> really aggressive. Very suave. Yeah. Well, it worked. <laughs> so, pulled. so let's get on to the cast of The Incredible Hulk. So Bruce Banner was played by voice actor Michael Bell. Uh, Bell has appeared on screen in various Star Trek series, Dallas, Charlie's Angels, The Rockford Files, and Remington Steel, uh, but is arguably better known as a prolific voice actor, providing voices for video games such as the Baldur's Gate series, Doom 3, Metal Gear Solid 3, and World of Warcraft, and animated shows including G.I. Joe, Transformers, Pride of the X-Men, where he voiced Cyclops, and Rugrats, where he voiced both Tommy and Chucky's dads. Oh, wow. Yeah, there. Stu Pickles. Yeah. Um, he is also the godfather of actor Steve Gutenberg, um, who cites Bell as his inspiration for becoming an actor. Wow. So thanks for that, Michael. Uh, in a 2004 interview, Bell said of his casting on The Incredible Hulk, I read for the role, but had an edge because the director had worked with me on several previous series at Hanna-Barbera and knew I could bring more than just Bruce to the table, like muffins and cheese to each session. <laughs> Bob Holt uh, provided the voice of the Hulk, born uh, Robert John Holtus. Among many other roles, uh, Holt also provided the voice of the Mogwai in 1984's Gremlins. Uh, yeah. yes. uh, Michael Bell has called Holt one of the funniest men in the biz, uh, and he told this story in that 2004 interview. Uh, we were recording the first show, and my dialogue consisted of exposition and some angst, but nothing you could call real hysterics. Bob, however, having a great set of pipes, had to growl, howl, and gnash his teeth when I turned into the Hulk. Then I would come back as Banner and say something like, Ugh, what happened? <laughs> After several sequences of similar dialogue, Bob looked at me and said, That's it? That's, that's all you have to say? What happened? I spend six fucking pages ripping up my throat and all you have to say is what happened and you get star billing. From then on, it was hard to keep a straight face during my dialogue, especially if it preceded a transformation. I couldn't look at Bob because I knew if I, if I did, I would break up. I could fear his, feel his eyes on me, willing me to look at him. And so I went into control overdrive for fear of losing it. In between his howling and growling, he would look over at me with such mock disgust, I had to muffle my laughter. I knew if I broke up, they would have to retake his howling and he would have really killed me. A truly funny man. <laughs> uh, Holt's stock library of roars created for this series would then go on to be used in various other Marvel production series and movies that followed. And you can always, once you hear it, once you hear a Holt roar, you know it. It's a bit like a Wilhelm scream. Yeah. It like, sort of goes like... Oh, Does like Bob, Bob get a cut every time they use it? I, no, I think it's like property of property of Marvel oh, now. It's just property of Disney. I'll be livid. Oh, once be you angry. Know. He be, he's making. Every you don't time, like. You won't uh, like him. If he's, angry, he's, really. he's like, yeah. No, he's not. He's getting like his his. Where, where's my royal checks? <laughs> where's my royalty checks? <laughs> ah. Um, the series uh, actually made use of its own stock footage. No notably, it only featured a handful of different Hulk transformation sequences. Uh, about three or four. Yeah. And it was sort of notably better animation. Like they put a lot of effort into making these like three or four sequences and then they would just sort of slot it into different episodes. But it did sometimes mean the way in which it would it would slot into the episode was so they'd had like one sequence which started with like Bruce on the floor, passed out. So sometimes he would just sort of fall over before he transformed just so they could just so it would work like continuity wise he'd just be like oh I'm freaking out and then he'd just sort of trip and <laughs> he always need a reason why he's on the floor yeah exactly um, Bruce's ally Rick Jones was voiced by Michael Horton best known for playing Jessica Fletcher's nephew Grady Fletcher uh -huh. on Murder She Wrote appearing in 12 episodes between 1994 and 1995 uh, he also voiced Spike Witwicky's best friend Chip Chase in the Transformers and astronaut John Jameson son of J. Jonah Jameson in the 90s Spider-Man animated series 
Unlike the uh, the brunette, short-haired Rick of the comics, here Rick has long blonde hair and wears a cowboy hat for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, as in the early years of the comic books, Rick is the sole confidant of Banner's secret that he is actually the Hulk and the series retains from the comic book the plot point that Rick feels partially responsible for Banner's condition as Banner was caught in the gamma explosion while saving Rick who was yeah. trespassing on the gamma bomb test site. It is his fault. The teenager. He's on the test site. Oh my God. <laughs> totally is fun. <laughs> One notable change made by the series is the character of Betty Ross, Bruce's love interest. In the original comics, in the early going at least, Betty is, is just that, Bruce's love interest. Doesn't have a, he- uh, a lot going on, doesn't yeah. have much of an inner life. Uh, but in the animated series, she's made a research scientist working alongside Bruce at Gamma Base. And the 2003 and 2008 live action films, where she's played by uh, Jennifer Connolly and Liv Tyler respectively, both later incorporated this change into Betty's character. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people realise that it, that originated from this from this series. Forward thinking. Forward thinking. Uh, Betty was voiced by B.J. Ward, who also voiced Scarlet on G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Uh, Betty's father and the Hulk's nemesis, General Thunderbolt Ross, was voiced by Robert Bob Ridgely, who played uh, Boris the Hangman in 1974's Blazing Saddles, uh, Mayor Ted Egan in 1987's Beverly Hills Cop 2, uh, and Walter Kenton in 1993's Philadelphia, his final film role being that of Colonel James in 1997's Boogie Nights, which was released posthumously. Great bunch of films, that is. Yeah, what a a, a CV that is, what a resume. Uh, He also voiced Tarzan in the 1970s animated series Tarzan Lord of the Jungle and Flash Gordon in a 1980s cartoon featuring that character. Uh, General Ross's right-hand man was Major Ned Talbot, a renamed version of the comic book's Glenn Talbot. This version of the character, contrasted with the competent Hulk-hating soldier of the comics, is used for comic relief, being portrayed as cowardly and incompetent and being referred to by his troops as Noodlehead Ned. Uh, He was voiced by Pat Fraley, uh, another hugely prolific voice artist, best known as the voice of Krang, Casey Jones, wow. Baxter Stockman, and numerous other characters in the 1987 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated series. He voiced 65 characters on the show and all. Now, for one thing, I didn't realise that it was the same guy doing Ned Talbot oh. and doing all of And I didn't realise it was doing all of those, all of those yeah. voices. Krang and, was terrifying. I was going to say, my favourite of those voices is Krang. He's like, Shredder, you incompetent swine. And you got him and James Avery, Uncle Phil, yeah. as Shredder being like, oh, turtles. Like, oh, what, what? What a pairing that is. Shredder. Um, The series also introduced two new characters who did not feature in the original comic books, Rita and Rio. So Rita was Rick Jones' girlfriend and a waitress at the diner Rio's Ranchero, which is situated near Gamma Base and owned by her father, Rio, voiced by Roberto Cruz. Again... I didn't, I didn't know this before uh, researching this episode. Rita was voiced by Susan Blue, uh, best known for voicing R.C., the first female Transformer in the Transformers the movie and uh, season three and four of Transformers. She also worked as a voice director on Transformers Beast Wars, James Bond Jr. and 10 of the Land Before Time movies. Uh, and fun just, fact... Just 10 of them. Just Yeah, yeah. That's not even all of that's, them. That's about 3% of the Land Before Time <laughs> And fun fact, she is also the sister-in-law of the actor who played Mike TV in Willow Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Fact smash. <laughs> uh, the final member of the cast was none other than Stan the Man Lee. Yeah, I thought I heard him. Who narrated the series. God, they loved bringing him in, didn't they? Yeah. And what I like about it, he's not like, he's not like taking on the role of a narrator. He's not like, you know, setting the theme. He's sort of like... <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah, he's literally like him, he's playing himself. Yeah. So he's just like, he starts the episode being like, hey guys, Stan Lee here. It's great. Um, though... His speechifying was cruelly cut from the Marvel Action Hour edits in the UK. So when I first saw this series, no Stan, and I, it's, it's so much more fun, so much more fun with added added Stan. Sure, they needed all the time they could get. 
Because they had to fill an hour. No, but what they did was they, they didn't like cut it entirely. It was just, they just, those scenes just sort of played out in sort of slightly awkward okay. silence. So you just had these like scenes where it's just like long, long gaps, long lingering silences <laughs> and, uh, and, and no Stan. What's the matter with them out there? What is this, a jail? Why don't they come? I don't know, Doc, but take it easy. You're getting yourself all worked up. But I've got to tell General Ross about Dr. Carlston. What's going on? Let me out! Let me out! Let... Oh. 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 Help. 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 Help me. You'd think he'd stop getting angry at things, wouldn't you? Well, this is only the first time oh, he's got angry, one. to be fair. Yeah. Rage and his frustration finally trigger the powerful gamma rays trigger. in his body, causing the world's most fantastic transformation as the incredible Hulk is born. Doc! You're not Doc, are you? That's what I said! You're not Doc! You're bigger and stronger! He's not the smartest tool in the shed, is he? I mean, he, he literally drove onto, like, a bomb testing site. Yeah. Of course he's not. Uh, so you just saw Bruce's first ever transformation into, into the Hulk there. Uh, strangely, whenever the Hulk transformed back into Bruce Banner in this series, uh, his clothes would miraculously yeah. return to normal. Um, he would just be fully clothed again, despite his clothes all having, yeah. you know, torn off. Just really good at, like, seeming and just, just sewing everything back together. Well, I mean, presumably this was to avoid having to show yeah. car- cartoon nudity, but he still had his pants on. Why Why were they so scared of Bruce's pecs? Like, what was... <laughs> is that really? Is that too far? Uh, though limited to a 13-episode run, there are some memorable outings across The Incredible Hulk's one and only season, including episode one, Tomb of the Unknown Hulk, which sees Hulk go up against Spider-Man villain, Dr. Octopus. Oh, wow. Dr. Octopus! <laughs> I have to get out of here. <laughs> a lot of him getting angry is him banging the walls of his fists and then turns turns Spanner's mind. Yeah. He ends up he ends up locked in a lot of places and be like, gotta get out. Stop locking him up. He's he's gonna get free every single time. They don't know though, they don't know he's the Hulk. <laughs> Why is no one like, how'd you get out of there, Banner? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. You have caused me considerable trouble. <laughs> it's not quite as cool as uh, Alfred Molina. Al- Alfred Molina's version. I love <laughs> what you couldn't see there was the way Hulk defeated Dr. Octopus. Dr. Octopus is obviously like up on his tentacles, like crawling. And the Hulk just like fucks up the entire floor, <laughs> smashes. He's like, I could just like attack him. Yeah. But no, I'm just going to smash all I'm, of, I'm like miles, fuming. miles of the floor. Absolutely livid. <laughs> going to mess everything up. Uh, there was also episode three. Episode three was Origin of the Hulk, which tells unsurprisingly, the origin of the Hulk, with the original uh, Russian Cold War saboteurs um, who Banner battled in the comics being replaced by aliens seeking (laughs) seeking the secrets of Bruce's gamma bomb. Uh, And saboteur Igor, um, he of the uh, Italian-sounding Russian accent, uh, being replaced by Dr. Carlston, who is secretly a robot. And and for reasons that aren't particularly clear, uh, this episode, episode three, is chronologically the first episode. So... 
this is first, then you have Hulk's guest appearance on Spider-Man and his amazing friends, and then episode one of this <laughs> series, right. Tomb of the Unknown Hulk, after which things proceed chronologically. I've no idea if it was meant to be the first episode and was just aired as the third. Mm. Um, couldn't find any any clarification on that either way. But it's strange. Very, very, very confusing. Uh, episode four, when monsters meet, sees Bruce encounter a descendant of Quasimodo. <laughs> um, episode six, Bruce Banner unmasked, has Bruce's secret apparently revealed by the machinations of Fantastic Four villain, the Puppet Master. Uh, episode eight features a part plant, part animal life form which can eat almost anything in its path. And that episode bears the excellent title, best episode title of the series by far. It lives, it grows, it destroys. Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, episode nine, probably probably the the weakest I would say of the thirteen episode run is uh, the Incredible Shrinking Hulk, oh, which see. sees yeah. sees a gamma experiment malfunction and Bruce reduced to uh, one inch tall. Uh, he's almost eaten in one scene after falling into one of the tacos at Rio's Mexican Diner. So anyway, after I was promoted to captain for bravery on the battlefield, I never knew practice war games on your home base were considered a battlefield. Well, shave uh, everybody. Want some more iced tea, Captain? It's major, and yes, I would. We really should be getting back, Ned. Banner can wait, Betty. Look how he treated you. <laughs> Tiny little Bruce running along. Grand, I did not see him. You had to already. <laughs> well, that was almost a half an hour ago. Oh, poor baby. I'll make us both one. I've been telling you, Betty, that banner is a strange one. He's one of the world's biggest scientists. Bruce, I know for some reason, dived into a bowl of yeah. uh, lettuce. So obviously... Rita's now picked him up and has put him in a taco. Rick likes lots of hot sauce. Why, why did he die, dive into the lettuce? Now he's being drowned in hot sauce. Uh, that would probably kill you. That would definitely kill you. Please, Major. Best bit coming up. Food, don't say Rick, words like this. Rick's about to eat his taco. For sure. <laughs> Bruce pops out, gives him a little wave. Don't eat me, Rick. That was hilarious. What would have happened... It, it might be like a like an Ant-Man up Thanos' bum situation. What would have happened, right, if... Oh, no, because I guess he would still be small. But then he could... So, what if Rick had eaten the taco with mini little Bruce inside, swallowed him, that would have presumably been stressful enough to trans, trigger his transformation yeah. into the Hulk. It but then he would have been like a tiny little Hulk in his body, but still super strong. So would he be like, you know, just yeah. like... Smash his way out. <laughs> yeah. Or would he become his full length? I mean... It's full length. <laughs> to be fair, sometimes when I eat a particularly spicy taco, it feels like something's trying to smash its way out. So <laughs> maybe, maybe and, it, and it's green when it comes when it comes out. Maybe 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 Bruce would have to wait until until uh, Rick poops him out. Yeah, maybe. It's just the way he pops out of the taco and just goes hiya, <laughs> hiya, in right. his full suit. <laughs> yeah, he'd always wear like a suit and little suit and tie. Yeah. Uh, it was episode 10, Punks on Wheels, uh, which is notable for featuring Hulk villain The Leader and for being written by Paul Dini, who would uh, go on to play a major role in developing Batman the Animated Series in the 90s. And episode 11, Enter She-Hulk, which sees Bruce and Rick visit Bruce's cousin Jennifer Walters, aka She-Hulk, in that character's first screen appearance. Uh, and they go up against Hydra. Hmm. Uh, She-Hulk was voiced by actress Victoria Carroll, who was the real-life wife of yeah. Bruce Banner actor Michael Bell. Nice. Uh, so I mentioned the the Spider-Man crossover earlier. This series, Tom, actually takes place in the Marvel Productions universe, or Earth eight one oh seven. It's the Earth eight one oh seven version of the Marvel multiverse, uh, together with Spider-Man, the animated series from nineteen eighty one, and its follow up, Spider-Man and his animated friends. 
anime and friends. <laughs> and it's spin off Spider Man and his amazing friends, which also aired in, in 1981. Uh, this is evidenced not just by the Hulk's appearance in that latter show, but also by the same version of Doctor Octopus, voiced again by Michael Bell, appearing in both shows. Yeah. Do other Marvel characters exist in this universe? I will tell you, quite possibly, is the answer. Uh, so in the episode, Bruce Banner Unmasked, we see the puppet master's daughter, Alicia Masters, who is a sculptor, has created statues of Iron Man, Doctor Strange, the Scarlet Witch, Magneto, the Thing, and Ultron, implying that they do, in fact, exist in this universe. Well, there you go. It's like the forerunner. Yeah. It's what we know and love now. There you go. Again, yeah. shaping what we know now. Yeah. Think enough credit. So it is possible that more Marvel characters might have appeared in this series had it gone on, uh, but The Incredible Hulk was cancelled after just one season <sighs> of 13 episodes. Uh, a second season was planned, however. Uh, this season would have reintroduced She-Hulk as a main character, and the series was going to be renamed The Incredible Hulk and The She-Hulk. Uh, a pitch document for the aborted season two was written in early 1983 by Misty Stewart, who had previously written the episode Prisoner of the Monster in the first season. Uh, She-Hulk's introduction, according to the pitch document, would only enrich the relationship's stories and action. With her character comes unlimited story directions, as well as new and yet untapped emotions and suspense. Uh, the rebooted series would also have made changes to the Hulk character, limiting his dialogue to make the character closer to the live-action Lou Ferrino <laughs> version, with which it was felt audiences were more familiar. I want him to talk less. <laughs> um, it's, it's like, oh, I'm, getting, I'm getting less, less work. Even even less money. Oh, he's just freaking out. Uh, Banner's transformation into the Hulk would also no longer be random or provoked by anger, but instead by determination to do heroic deeds, mm -hmm. uh, such as the example suggested by the pitch document where he saves a baby who'd crawled out onto a ledge. So he's like, gotta save that baby, fucking hell. And he just goes absolutely... Yeah, but, and then don't crush the baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, don't crush the baby. Uh, but, it was, but it was not to be. Uh, there was no second season. And The Incredible Hulk is one of the few Marvel animated series not to be available to stream on Disney+. Plus. Uh, at least at time of recording, or indeed anywhere in the UK. Can't stream it anywhere. Uh, it was released on DVD in 2010, but that release is now very hard to come by. So fingers crossed it yeah. lands on streaming soon. So that's it. Yeah. A little little overview of The Incredible Hulk from 1982. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I didn't know it existed, to be honest. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a funny little era, because I feel like the 90s cartoons have held up or mm. been... Um, they've sort of returned more. Do you know what they've got? What? Legacy. They have got Legacy. Yeah. There's more Legacy with those ones. Yeah. The 80s and even 70s ones have a bit of a, I don't know if it's just the animation quality or what. I, no, I, I think you're right. I think it's, I think there's something about the the level of animation sophistication, but also storytelling sophistication yeah. that does mean that the likes of you know, Batman the Animated Series and X-Men, yeah. Spider-Man, they hold up a little bit more and they have more, they do genuinely not just because we remember them. They do have, because I, I, I do remember this, they do have more of a legacy. Yeah. Um, and this has less of a legacy, although it does have a legacy, but just... It, it inspired things. It inspired a lot of it, and it shaped the way Hulk yeah. stories are told, I think, but it doesn't quite have... So it was influential, but it doesn't. it's not quite celebrated in the same way, which I think is a shame, because 13 episodes, but you know, revisiting this, I sort of remember all the kind of the story beats and the bits of dialogue. I, yeah. It clearly, like, it bit into my history. Clearly it did. <laughs> Um, shame it's a shame yeah. so that's it for now but hey 
Don't lose your cool like Bruce Banner. There are over 100 previous episodes for you to dig into, all available at twogeeks2beers.com or wherever you get your podcasts, including installments on animated classics like Ulysses 31, X-Men, Thundercats, and Defenders of the Earth. Go follow us on all the socials too, Two Geeks Cast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. <laughs> yeah. We're on the tickety tocks. We are. Go find us there. Please do. And also you can find us on YouTube. Put Two Geeks, Two Beers into the search bar and you'll find an archive of episodes, old and new in full, plus clips and samplers. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Podbean, Global Player and all kind of podcast outlets you could possibly think of uh, where you can rate and review us. Please do. Tell your friends. It always means a lot. Uh, you can also become a Two Geeks supporter on Patreon at patreon.com slash twogeekscast. You can sponsor the podcast, helping to fund our recording sessions and our equipment. All your money goes directly back into making the show. And depending on what tier you choose, you get different rewards in return for just a little bit of green. <laughs> See what I did there? Very good. Yeah. Including exclusive Patreon-only minisodes, outtakes, personalized thank you videos, merch, including a Two Geeks mug and t-shirt that you can't get anywhere else, and even a mini episode or full-length episode that's exclusive to you. Uh, and please also email us podcast at twogeeks2beers.com you can send us feedback thoughts suggestions future episodes just get in touch and we'll give you a shout out so we'll be back soon and until then remember green's the colour of spring and green can be cool and friendly like and green can be big like an ocean or important like a mountain or tall like a tree or just really fucking mad like the Hulk see you later nice So Tom, I know how much you enjoy the uh, Hulk 1966 theme song. Second yep. time it's come up on this on this podcast. My favourites. Yeah, so it's a it's a little off topic, but I thought you'd also enjoy a blast of the uh, the Iron Man 66 theme. Iron Man in 66, which is which is it's also okay. special. Okay, special. <laughs> He's Iron Man. The lyrics there, in case you could hear them. Yeah. Tony Stark makes you feel he's a cool exec with a heart of steel. What makes you feel? What does that mean? I don't think they put a lot of thought to it. Then, then the lads come in. Then it's like, yeah. as Iron Man, all jets are blaze. He's fighting and smiting with repulsor rays. And then it's amazing armor. That's Iron Man. A blazing power. That's Iron Man. Wow. <sighs> I guess it's minorly better than the Hulk. Ain't he unglamorized? I yeah, no, I enjoy, I, it's catchy that one. I have yeah. to say, I've had it, I've had it, I've had it rocketing around my head. So <laughs> they made they made an effort. They made they always made an effort. He does make me feel like he's a cool exec with a heart of steel. So, yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel. Yeah, that's what it makes you feel. That he's a cool exec a cool with a heart. Exec, yeah. He's a cool exec with a heart of steel. Yeah. yeah, he sort of there's a shot. He sort of turns to the camera and gives you a bit of bit of blue steel. In fact, he does. I felt it. <laughs>